Guys, before we get into this podcast episode with Jason Bond, I want to tell you real fast about the hope effect. My friend, who's a pastor, Joe Derego, uh, in Phoenix, is uh, trying to raise money for the Hope Effect, which is a ch- they're doing a charity raffle. And the Hope Effect is a 501c3 organization. And the mission of the Hope Effect is to change how the world cares for orphans by providing family-based solutions. They're trying to raise money for kids in an orphanage in San Luis, uh, Sonora, uh, Mexico. And there's 350 tickets available. You can buy the tickets uh, by going to azshootersworld.com, and I'll give you the exact link in the show notes of this podcast. There are a bunch of great prizes. Two of the prizes, uh, there's, there's a coos deer hunt in Sonora, Mexico with Colburn and Scott Outfitters. Uh, I believe the dates are late December, December 28th through January 5th uh, coming up. Uh, that has a $5,500 value. There's also a Gould's turkey hunt in Mexico, April-May time frame. The dates are to be determined. Uh, and a, a prime compound bow from Ross Outdoors, an outdoorsman's medium tripod with pistol grip head, a $500 uh, Shooter's World gift card, uh, a Canyon Coolers Prospector 103 with a $369 value, a Badlands 220 Approach uh, Backpack, a $250 Go Hunt ge- uh, Gear Shop gift certificate, uh, a Kuyu Guide Jacket worth $220, a $100 Cabela's gift card. So 10 out of the 350, there's going to be 10 winners, and you can win uh, any of those 10 prizes. I want to thank Joe for his heart uh, for orphans out there, and I can assure you this money is going to go to a good cause. So click on the show notes to go to the link uh, at azshootersworld.com to buy the tickets. The drawing is going to be November 1st, so hurry up and buy your tickets. It's $100 for your chance to win a coos deer hunt or a Gould's turkey hunt in Sonora, Mexico. Let's get right to the episode. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Jason Bond of Bond Trophy Outfitters out of Flagstaff, Arizona. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to know how your uh, elk season in Arizona went, uh, where you were, and, and uh, how it shook out, what the conditions and such. Kind of get a rut report. Uh, where were you this year? Uh, I, was o- I started over in 23 North. Um, which was a great hunt, uh, but then ended up over in 6A and 7. Um, everything went well. We went 100% on the elk, just uh, probably as everybody else has seen, the, the antler size was down quite a bit, especially on the top ends of the bulls. You know, front ends were seemed to be real good, but the top ends just seemed to peter out quite a bit on the main beams and the fourths and fifths. You were over in uh, 23, I take it, on the archery hunt? I was, yeah, 23 North on the archery hunt. Got there, well, we got there about six, seven days ahead of time, and, you know, great glassing units, so we looked at a lot of bulls, I would say two to 300 bulls, and uh, just super disappointed in, in antler size this year over there. Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I'm hearing from people on the podcast that I've been doing, uh, sounds like great one, two, threes, and just kind of mediocre force and definitely short fist, short main beams. Did you <clears throat> find any bulls to the exception to that rule, or was pretty much everything you looked at uh, fit that category? 
You know, I found I found two bulls that I thought, you know, well, I knew for sure would break 350. Um, and both had decent tops and decent beams past that. One I videoed and, and got on that my Instagram page there. Not a real good video. He was fighting another bull, came walking out. But, um, you know, that was a solid bull. And then there was one other that I glassed down in a hole that uh, we weren't going to go down and get. But uh, he was a real good bull. Um, other than that, I, I mean, really, really weak on the top ends, really weak. But, you know, like you said, the one, twos, and threes, some of them were just phenomenal looking, and then you just, they turn sideways for you, and you're just blown out of your mind how they've ended up. Out of the couple hundred bulls that you saw, I mean, just for listeners out there that are listening, trying to give uh, a sense of, you know, what 23 has to offer, you know, Take out the part about, you know, the droughted back ends and just assume that, you know, they'd have a little bit better backs and a little bit better beams. You know, in general, what was the class of bull that you saw? And maybe answer it twofold. What was the class that you saw and what was the class that, you know, a bull it would have been if, if say, on a normal year? Yeah, well, I can tell you this. I mean, I, I saw two bulls that I, I knew for sure that would break 350, nothing that was going to break 380 mark. Um, in my book, um, and that's bona fide scores, you know, not fudging anything, but, you know, 350 to 380, two bulls, um, and then probably probably 15 to 20 bulls that would break 300 in that 320 to 330 range. Yep. Um, and I would say on a normal year, they were probably going to push that 350 mark um, I didn't see a bull that I thought would be, you know, that 400 caliber on a good year. Right. Um, and I saw very few that I thought would be solid 350 plus bulls. I mean, lots and lots of you know young bulls and 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 just small bulls. Yeah. Um, uh, when you got over there, what were conditions like as far as uh, moisture? Were all the tanks full? Um, what was the status <clears throat> condition of the unit before that archery hunt kicked off? You know, it was okay. It had it, 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 it rained like crazy, um, like everybody's probably experienced since about mid-July uh, 23. It was like a tropical rainforest over there. Um, lots of moisture. All the water was full. Um, so they were spread out quite a bit. Uh, we checked the reservation boundaries quite a bit, and, and, you know, with all the water on the res on the state land, uh, you know, things weren't moving like they normally are. Um, but, yeah, a lot of feed, and you really saw the feed when you went into the trees. I mean, the elk just didn't have to move very far this year. Yeah, um, so lots of tank water as well because of the rains. Um, did you feel like there was any one strategy in that specific unit, hunting 23 north, uh, that you used more than others or any recommendations you could give to people as far as, you know, a tactic uh, specifically for that unit? You know, most guys that are going to draw that tag are going to be looking for, you know, the higher-end bulls, obviously, for 23 north. Um, so the best thing to do is you got to locate them first. And if it's dry, then cameras are effective, obviously. If it's not dry like this year, you got to spend time glassing. And you got to get up high. you got to glass. you got to glass canyons. There's so many bulls over there and, and so few tags, you could spend your whole hunt chasing bulls in the trees unless you know a specific bull's there 
you could be looking at a lot of bulls in that 300 range that aren't the caliber you're looking for, or you get lucky and run into one. But I would look at as many bulls as possible, especially with such a nice glassing unit like 23 is. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of people think of it as a thick unit, but there is places that you can look around and see, especially when you're used to some of the other units um, that aren't as glossable. It definitely feels glossable. Um, okay, so how did your archery hunt uh, go as far as did you guys kill early? Did you hunt all time? Um, how we did end, we ended up. Down? Yeah, we ended up killing on day 7 and 23. Um, we, we unfortunately missed uh, the biggest bull we saw, missed him twice um, uh, while he was raking. Yeah, he was raking a tree and, and you know, just, just nerves, I think. But, you know, we got two shots at him broadside and, and just flat missed him. But we killed a, a solid 340 bull on day seven, um, and that was on water. It had dried out quite a bit. Um, it did rain one afternoon, kind of kind of midday, all, kind of a real slow drizzle, but the bulls were still hitting this one water, and we saw this bull had come into the water the night before glass, and so we set it and killed him that, that next evening on the water. Um, and, it, you know, the water was a good tactic. Every, every day you could glass, and if you were looking at water, they were hitting it by dark almost every night. So, it was, you know, water was a good tactic on that hunt. Uh, even with how much water was out there, you just had to be on the right water at the right time, obviously, like every other water. How was the bugling so, uh, when you got there before the hunt, and then how did they bugle, you know, through that first week if you killed on day seven? How, you know, how did, how did it start out before the hunt, and how did it progress through the hunt? I think it stayed pretty consistent. Um, the first day I got there, the bulls were just going nuts. Um, and I got in on quite a few different bulls in some flatter ground that I couldn't glass and looked at as many as I could. Um, on any given day, uh, I'd say the bugling would go till about 8 a.m. There were some spots in the thicker pine tree, canyon-type stuff where I was using cell phone service uh, that the bulls would bugle all day long, you know, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock. They never stopped bugling in there. Um, but most of the areas that we were hunting, it was done about 8 o'clock, and it would start back up at about 4.30. So I would say the bugling and, and the rut activity was, was just phenomenal in 23. Um, could be by the amount of bulls that are in the unit also compared to some of the other units. It's definitely known as a unit that they bugle good. I'm glad that they uh, performed for you as well. Uh, then you guys, then you progressed over to, I think you said 6A and then 7. Talk a little bit about uh, that and uh, conditions you noticed there and, and uh, you know, kind of hit the ground running there. What, what was the scoop there? Yeah, 6A and 7 were pretty much the same. Um, you know, seven, it was in 7 East, and 7 East just isn't what it used to be. I mean, it's a tough hunt uh, all around. The bugling's just been terrible. Uh, you can definitely get into some spots up on that nine corner where everybody goes now. Um, that sometimes the bugling's good, but the elk are so sparse, you know, throughout the unit since the peaks hunts and just just the hammering of the elk that has gone on in there, it's gotten really tough. Six uh, A has, you know, somewhat similar. I've got a a cabin that I've had. Oh, my dad bought it, I think, in about 1970 back in Elk Park Meadows in Six A. 
And the elk numbers back there have just, I mean, over the last 40 years, have significantly dropped. Uh, and the bugling is just not what it used to be. And I think a lot has to do with the numbers, but also I think a lot has to do with the amount of people that go in the woods near Flagstaff and, and you know, local areas that go out there and bugle and cow call. And it, it kind of shuts them up. And I don't know if they... I actually think they get a little educated and, and start slowing down on their bugling compared to what they used to. Uh, it's not what it was 10 or 15 years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, so. just the commotion and traffic alone, and then you add, you know, being close to Flagstaff and people just wanting to go out and hear elk bugle and calling at them and such. When you do that, it adds up, doesn't it? It does. It, it really does. You know, and then, and, you know, the side-by-sides, the quads, I mean, everybody's zipping around, just just not necessarily hunters, but just people out having fun. Um, it, it, it's changed up the game a little bit around some of these units around Flagstaff and some of the other places around Williams also. Um, it's definitely a different game than it used to be. And, and I hear it a lot that, you know, the bugling's less than last year. I don't hear any bugling, and I don't know that that's the case. I don't, you know, they're, they're still rutting. They're just not talking like they used to. And, and they're just like cameras. They've gotten educated, and they're used to getting their pictures taken. They're used to people calling and, and being in the woods, too. So I think they're just getting educated. Yeah, for sure. I want to talk to you about uh, your upcoming hunts uh, here, but real fast, I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com, the, the gear shop. Cody Nelson, my friend uh, of 25 years, is the new optics manager over there, and I call him the glassing guru. And he's the optics manager there. And if you have any optics needs, whether it be rifle scopes, binoculars, spotting scopes, tripods, you can call him directly for info or for sales information or just to talk optics. Uh, 702-847-8747, extension 2. Or you can email him directly at optics at gohunt.com. And he's promised me that he would take care of the J. Scott Outdoors podcast listeners. So make sure to give him a call if you're looking for any optics. I also want to thank Kuyu.com. That's K-U-I-U.com, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Obviously, the hunting community is uh, still uh, mourning the tragic passing of Jason Harrison, the founder, uh, my friend. Uh, it's still a shock every day that I wake up. Uh, but I can assure you I've met with the people at Kuyu. I was there for the funeral and had conversations with a lot of them. They are going to push forward, and they're going to push this company and see Jason's uh, legacy fulfilled. And um, I just ask you guys as listeners to support Kuyu, and I appreciate that. Also, CanyonCoolers.com. If you use the J. Scott promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount at all Canyon Coolers products. And PhoneScope. Uh, PhoneScope is the dig digiscoping adapter that I use um, here at the Ot6 Ranch and on my Instagram page, if you use the JScott16 promo code, you're going to get a 10% discount. Jason, uh, moving forward, uh, I assume you're, you have deer on your mind now that elk season's over with. Uh, talk a little bit about um, your plans for deer this year and your outlook uh, for where you're going to be hunting. Um. Well, I got, I, I got, I'm got. i going to be running out today to do a little bit more early rifle bull hunting out in uh, limited opportunity 18, area 18, 19. But, uh, um, yeah, as soon as that's over, I'm ready for deer. I'm excited for deer. Um, I'll be starting out on the on the Kaibab for the early hunt. 
that's the 26th of this month, so be running up there here pretty quick and getting camp set up and getting some scouting in. Um, with uh, oh, the past couple of days, we got some snow here in Flagstaff. Williams got quite a bit, so you know I've got a buddy up on the Kaibab says they got some snow. They're expecting more today, uh, more rain. If it's anything like last year, and last year we had no moisture whatsoever, but uh, the deer came off the top on that early hunt. We were able to hunt them in the in in the winter range on the early hunt, and there was I would say 75% of the deer had come off the top. So I'm kind of looking forward to this year. It's been a lot of long time since I think all of us in Arizona have hunted deer in the snow. So I think this is going to be the year, and kind of have my hopes up for strapping the chains on and, and doing a little snow hunting this year. Um, uh, you see the Kaibab, um, I assume you have early hunters and late hunters. Um, what is your take on the trajectory of the Kaibab as far as the trend? Um, is it uh, worse, better, or the same as it's been? I think it's better than it's been. You know, I'd say all the last 10 years, I think it's, I think it's better than it has been um, you know, you take it back 20 years, 25 years. I think, I think it was a little bit better back then. Um, but I think in the last 10 years, I think we're on an upward trend. I think there's a lot of really, really good deer on the Kaibab. Uh, you know, the numbers showed it last year. I mean, just a phenomenal year on the Kaibab, both early and late. A lot of really, really quality good bucks killed. Um, you know, one of the statewide tags were, was donated to OE4A this year, and they were able to kill a buck that came off the Kaibab, a uh, two, solid 250 buck. Um, so there, there's definitely the, the qualities there. Uh, another deer was found dead up there this year uh, in that two, high 280s range. Um, so they're there, and, and, you know, I think they're going to continue to be there because game, game fish are doing a great job on the Kaibab. And the Kaibab's always able to hide some deer because of that thick cover on top. So you kind of never know what's going to crawl out of that stuff. So it's it's very intriguing up there as far as, you know, quality-wise goes. Um, for yeah, I'll that, be up there. For someone Go that's ahead. lived in Flag as long as you have grown up and the whole thing in Flagstaff, uh, I can hear it in your voice, the excitement of the Kaibab. And I know, you know, there was a time when you guys that were constantly, you know, the Kaibab guys just, we're in, in the doldrums because of how tough it was, but I can hear the excitement in your voice as well as other guys I've talked to that the Kaibab is definitely trending back up. Definitely, yeah. It, it, it's an exciting time, I think, and, um, yeah, it's it's great. Uh, I think it's a great, great hunt for guys to put in for, both early and late. Obviously, the late hunt. You got the rut. You can it can be better, but you also sitting around for another ten years trying to draw the tag. Possibly, sure. Um, the early the early hunt. If you draw it on a year like like last year, and you know yet to be seen this year, but it's shaping up to be some movement movement off the top and dropping down. Um, you know, for for something that can be drawn every five to seven years, uh, I just don't think it gets any better. You know, as far as Arizona goes. Um, with your You've chance of killing killed something some great big. bucks in 12B, uh, I believe last year or the year before, your your hunter killed a great buck in 12B as well. Yeah, we killed a big one last year. I took a guy in there on the early hunt, uh, mid 230s. I think it's 238, 236, something like that. Uh, just a giant buck. He came off the top. He was a he was a summer buck up by Jacob Lake, 
and dropped down to the bottom uh, for that early hunt, and we were able to find him and kill him. Um, you know, and I had a couple guys on the 12A West for the early last year, and we killed a couple solid bucks for that hunt um, on the early hunt, and then spent some time in 12A East on the late hunt and 12A West, and we were able to kill a couple phenomenal bucks. Within two days, we were done. Um, but, yeah, the 12A East hunt also is getting overlooked a uh, lot less tags on the early hunt and the late hunt with that worm fire that burnt, I don't know what it was, 10 years ago or so, 12 years ago. It's opened up a lot of glassing for that east side. Um, and then if they push off the top, obviously you got tons of glassing down. Um, so so you got kind of a mix of everything on that 12A east side. Uh, I like it a lot. It's the biggest, you know, arguably the biggest buck on the kayak came off of 12A east last year. Uh, as far as the harvest goes. So, Interesting. What about the strip for you? Are you going to be spending any time up there? Yeah, I'll be in uh, 13B in between the early and the late Kaibab. Uh, I try to do one of those hunts a year. Last year I did 13A. Uh, this year I'm doing 13B. Um, I've got several guys in there for that. Um, we're l- really looking forward to that. The The strip this year, uh, I got cameras up in about May, so I got real good pictures up until about mid-July, and then the rains hit and kind of kind of went away. The archery hunt was really good up there. We we got on a lot of really good bucks. Um, had a great time. Uh, the 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 rifle hunt I'm really looking forward to. The the 13D hunt this year starts the uh, 16th of November which is the latest it's ever started. So I'm expecting the rut and the movement of the bucks just to be phenomenal. And hopefully the moisture keeps up and keeps the deer off the waters. And uh, people get spread out and we get back to, you know, doing hunting hard and doing some major glassing. That's awesome. Uh, for those guys out there listening with strip tags, explain to them, uh, the guys that are not going with an outfitter, what they're facing as far as the vastness of strip and, and how few of deer per mile there actually is. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's frustrating. And, if you know, if those guys haven't been up there scouting yet, they need to get up there, like right now, and get to scouting um, and bring a winch just in case <laughs> you get stuck. <laughs> um, but it is vast, and... and you know, you don't want to you, you don't want to get yourself in a predicament up there where you're going to get stuck or you know roll your car going too fast down the roads. I mean, you don't want to do any of that. You're just a long way from anywhere. Um, the spots work really well as far as you know emergency stuff, satellite phones, and then the uh, inReach. Also, I would recommend all those just because the uh, cell phone service up there is so spotty. You got to kind of know where it's at in order to get it. So with that aside, you know, getting up there by yourself, um, it, it's just a huge unit. You don't want to try to take it on as far as the whole thing goes. There's deer from pretty much the north to the south, east to the west. Um, the best thing to do is get on Google Earth, find some country you like, um, draw about a 30, 40-mile circle around it and pick that area and scout it and hunt it hard. And, you know, you're going to have some 200-inch bucks in that area you just got to find them. So um, it kind of varies on what guys like to do. You know, some guys aren't capable of walking. Some guys don't glass. You know, those type of people probably need to be in some thicker type of country and do some driving and road hunting type stuff. The guys that can walk and, you know, glass, 
there's wildernesses, there's there's remote spots, there's glassing points. Uh, certain units or certain spots of the unit are better for glassing than others. Um, so depending on what style of hunting you know the guy likes, uh, that's kind of the area you need to be, and you can kind of see that type of stuff on Google Earth on where you want to be. So. Good stuff. That's pretty much the biggest thing. You know, you can get as many cameras out as you want, but if it keeps this moisture up, we're just not going to have pictures on cameras. And that, that's, you know, that's you a... them up. That's it. You know, you're, and, and with the rut coming on on, on the 16th of November, um, you just never know what will show up where. So you could have a deer move 10 or 15 miles um, that surprises you, and that's, it's just, it, this year, really looking forward to that hunt this year. It's going to be a phenomenal hunt. And, you got um, a pretty good fall set up with, um, hitting the Kaibab early and then, um, you know, hitting the strip and then going back to the Kaibab late, you're going to get, get a bunch of deer rutting in. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. What, you know, and then I've got some, I've got some over the counter archery guys coming in in late December and, and into January. We'll be doing the over the counter archery deer hunts, and, and that's always just a great time. So that'll be fun, too. Let me ask you about that. Um, I get a lot of people wanting to know about over the counter deer. So that's definitely something that you uh, like to guide and like to focus on. And what kind of activity and, and bucks and, and such can guys expect uh, on that hunt if they were to book with you? You know, uh, on that hunt, I mean, a, a guy needs to be able to shoot um, as best he can, like, like all archery hunts. I mean, it's not a gimme. Last year was a lot easier than most years because of how dry it was last year going into winter. We killed several bucks on water, um, as probably everybody did. Um, but most years we got plenty of moisture, so we're doing a lot of spotting and stalking. Um, so being in shape uh, helps, and shooting as far as you can shoot. You know, I'd like that 60, 70 yard range. Um, if guys can effectively shoot that distance, it seems like they they're a lot more successful. Um, but I try to let everybody know, you know, 170 is a great goal with the possibility of killing something, you know, as big as, as big as can be. Um, you know, we, last year we hunted several bucks. I, I think we had three bucks over 200 inches, one that we thought was 215 to 220. Um, we had him several times at 30 yards, just couldn't get a shot. Uh, but, you know, generally the top end bucks on that over-the-counter that we're hunting are right there in the high 180s. Uh, maybe into the 190s with the occasional buck that's going to, you know, go well over 200. So 170 is a great goal. A lot of guys from, you know, back east and, and the Midwest and stuff are coming out and, you know, just hoping for that 150 to 170 range, and they're real content with those type of bucks. So every day we're, we're stocking bucks. Every day we're glassing bucks. Um, it, it's just a fun time to be out there. Weather can be super cold, or it could be 40 degrees, 50 degrees, um, where we're hunting at. Jason, talk about, you know, we just got done talking about the rut on the strip, the rut on the Kaibab, obviously, you know, kind of mid to late November. And then you talk about, you know, late December and into January rutting and chasing deer as well. And people don't understand, you know, they just picture Arizona and think all the deer rut at the same exact time. Talk a little bit about you know, your Kaibab and your strip deer, 
but but more importantly, the rut for you know kind of the middle units I would call them, uh, some of those units around central Arizona and stuff. How that rut is actually, you know, December and into January. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of amazing. It's it just. I just take the Grand Canyon as a separation. Um, you know, right there at the beginning of November, anything north of the Grand Canyon seems to start pushing some does around or getting near those does, start rubbing some trees, start seeing some pre-rut activity. Um, a lot of times on the strip, about the first week, about the 6th, 7th, 8th, kind of like the eastern whitetail rut, that's when you start seeing those big bucks start hammering on those does and, and starting to see some fighting going on up there and, and really some rut activity. The kaibab seems to be about a week behind the strip. Um, usually about the second to third week in November, the kaibab really amps up and starts going. Um, even into that first week of December, uh, they're going really good on the kaibab. Uh, you know, this year it starts the day after Thanksgiving, so kind of expecting a pretty good rut on the kaibab. Um, so I, I take them about a week apart, maybe two weeks apart. Same, same with the south of the Grand Canyon. So, so I go about two weeks into November for the strip. I go about three to four weeks, you know, right there at the end of November for the kaibab, and then south of the Grand Canyon in that kind of central Arizona units for over-the-counter. Usually right before Christmas is when you start seeing them amping up for the rut, and then all the way into that second week of January, um, really rutting hard. And if you get out there, you know, late November, you don't see any rut activity. And usually, like I say, that central stuff doesn't even get going until right there at Christmas time. Jason, I enjoy your Instagram page, uh, Bond Trophy Outfitters. I encourage uh, guys to check it out. I'll, I'll link it up in the show notes. Uh, but I want you to tell the listeners how they can find out more about you, uh, how they can contact you, et cetera. Yeah, you can give me a call on my cell phone or a text. That's the best way to do it. It's 928-637-8378. Um, or my email is jbflagstaff at gmail.com. Or I've got a Facebook page uh, under Bond Trophy Outfitters or my Instagram page under Bond Trophy Outfitters. And if anybody's got any questions or needs help on, on you know, tips or anything, go, anybody going by themselves, they're free to call me. I'll give them some info and some help help out. Um, I'm not too secretive on my stuff. I try, to, I try to help as many people out as I can. Right on, man. Well, thanks for sharing with us. Uh, I know you've got to get on this other hunt uh, here this afternoon, so I'll let you go. Thanks for taking the time. And, um Congrats on your success on these elk hunts, and look forward to seeing some big deer pictures. And um, thanks for thanks for just coming on and, and sharing with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. All right, buddy. Take care. God bless. Thank you. You too. Bye.